You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Hey, Mike. David Hall. Hello. Greg Hectus. Hey, y'all. Mason Stiver. Hey guys. Tony Rochette back. Hey everybody. And special guest Ray Alfala. Hey, what's up? Hey Ray. Well, welcome. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, I actually looked last time you were on was like 2016. I think we got you on twice that year. Uh, so it's been a while. So we're uh, happy to have you back. Um, so welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I don't. I don't even remember the 2016 one. A lot has happened since. <laughs> I know. It's like, how many races have you done since then? It's like, got to be a million, right? Uh, well, not that many, probably. I don't, I don't race much outside of peak, uh, but I've been trying to do more since I've, I'm into streaming now. It's probably a million laps, not yeah, a million <laughs> races. Laps. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, last night, I was mad after NIS at Richmond just totally choked and... Uh, Found a random carb cup race, jumped in there, and what do you know? It's Ray and his boys, and uh, you guys are running carb cup last night. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like a good idea at the time, <laughs> but uh, uh, well, yeah, our next peak race is at Dega, and we haven't raced there in like six years, and we have this new uh, aero package now with the tapered spacers and the really tall spoilers, so we figured we'd give it a try, get some early practice in, and uh, it's as as you saw, it's pretty insane. It's very insane. And so so I'm in this race, and there's like all these peak guys and pros and people with these big I ratings, and here's me and my sub-3,000. But anyway, I'm, I, I qualified fourth, and I ran top five for a while. And then I saw you and a bunch of them just roll by me, and we were all three-wide pack up front, and I was on the bottom. And at one point, I got kind of thrown down out of, the, out of the mix. I didn't wreck, but I lost the pack. And then a few seconds later, the pack wrecked, and then I ended up leading after that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was just mayhem, you know. We were we were just having a good time, and uh, you know, trying to learn a little bit. But it was mostly you know we were streaming and and seeing uh, kind of what what was waiting for us uh, once we started the testing and, and stuff. But it's you know it's always a good time every time you can get together with friends and running laps anywhere. Yeah, and the package. What'd you think of uh, the new package? I mean, that was my first real experience with a bunch of guys really going for it, and we were three wide, and it was working. And um, you could get runs. I mean, the bottom was pretty bad, but what did you think? Yeah, well, we uh, there's basically almost no air bubble between the cars, so you can just get a massive run and pull out and pass. And there's a lot of side draft, uh, so it it really just seems very, very, very dynamic and. Uh, I, I don't even know what to expect as far as uh, for the peak race. I think it's going to be the most uh, insane plate race we've ever had. Yep, I agree. Well, let's get into it now. It, normally, we don't go into questions about uh, your start and what do you, what kind of hardware you have, but it's been a long time, and we have a lot of new listeners too. So talk about when did you first hear about the word iRacing, and how did you get started? Yeah, well, um, I was racing on uh, NASCAR 2003. Uh, basically since 2003 online and uh, I was in there in all the kind of like the, the top leagues and so we started hearing about iRacing kind of like 2006, 2007, how they were beta testing and 
things like that. And then I, I got the invite to join uh, one of the early releases uh, of iRacing in, in May of 2008. So I jumped right in there. And uh, it was funny because I, I never actually went through the rookie stage because once I went in there, all of the other uh, drivers, <laughs> we all just kind of came in together. And I've been racing kind of like the same people for, for a really long time because we were all rookies together at the very beginning. Um, and, and yeah, uh, that was 2008, almost 11 years ago. Yeah. All right. That is from the beginning. And, uh, what about your hardware? Uh, tell us about your current setup. What are you running? Yeah, I got triple screens. I got a VRS prototype wheel and pedals, uh, testing those out should be, uh, especially the wheels should be released pretty soon, or at least the information for it. Uh, as far as computer, uh, upgraded my computer recently, kind of got, got all the bells and whistles, uh, i9 uh i have a gtx 1080 from a couple years ago uh just uh and i needed to upgrade after a while because i started streaming this year as did like half the peak field all at once and uh i was having some issues with my computer freezing and things like that so uh upgraded to that and so yeah you know triple screens and then the vrs wheel and pedals and a pretty nice computer and all right. oh and the obato i have an obato ozone the original uh for the cockpit Nice. Okay. Now you were on VR, if, if I'm not mistaken. And what brought you back to triples? Yeah, I gave VR a try a couple years ago, um, and it was amazing. It was. Uh, I remember I jumped in there. I think the first uh, car and car and uh, track combo I tried was like a truck at Auto Club, and I jumped in there and I did like 25 laps straight by myself, <laughs> which I would never do unless it was something really amazing. Um, and it was, it really was incredible. Uh, but it doesn't have as like the, there's not enough resolution in it. There's not enough FOV. So you're, you're at a bit of a disadvantage racing in traffic and the, uh, and I think there's a little bit of input lag in it right now. So I was, I wasn't quite up to the same pace. I was maybe like a 10th off on the ovals. Um, granted, I didn't really try it for I tried it for maybe like a month, which may not be enough to get used to it. But I, I felt like I would have been at a disadvantage racing in, in peak versus guys that were on, on three screens and just able to see a lot more things and react faster to things. Um, but other other than that, though, it's uh, it's the most fun I've had sim racing ever. So I, I might go back to that just for all the non-peak races and for the streaming. Right, right. Yeah, I you know, the triples, I mean, it gives you that full view and... Like the racing we were doing last night, where like you said, it was real dynamic. You know, three wide pack up front, everyone switching lanes and stuff. I mean, you need that peripheral vision and that kind of racing, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the next, um, the Rift 2.0, or the Rift 2, I'm not sure what it's called or what it's going to be called, which is I think it's like a year away. Yeah, it's going to have 140 FOV, so that's going to help a lot. So I'm really looking forward to that and. Um, I think that the Rift S is coming out soon here in the next few weeks. It was just a little bit of an improvement of the current Rift, which uh, I might look into getting that for, like, you know, like I said, the, the streaming and things like that. But that's not going to have any FOV uh, improvements or anything. So I think uh, that, that'll be the main thing I'm looking forward to and, and you know, the resolution also going up. Okay. Um, what track are you looking forward to this season the most? Well, normally I would say that would be Indy. Uh, that's my favorite track. But this year everything's so different uh, with uh, massive draft and low horsepower and massive downforce. 
Uh, it's it's just taken a while to really get used to how the cars drive because it's so different from everything in the past, and uh, it doesn't really uh, match my driving style, so I'm having to adjust quite a bit to it. Right. All right, very good. Um, let's jump to uh, what about the draft and the Wood Brothers? I mean, when we heard about the draft, we were like, wow, what is this, you know? Uh, what was your initial reaction? What did you think about the draft? And then what did you think about, you know, getting that legendary 21? Yeah, well, we, we didn't really know much about it. Uh, we were kind of, uh, I mean, basically in January is when we started, or late December, I guess we started hearing something about it, but we were kind of kept in the dark for a really long time as they were trying to get everything uh, put together. And I think we... Uh, we only got the, like the order of the actual draft, maybe a f- couple days before it actually happened. Um, so I had several people kind of tell me, "Hey, you know, if, if we pick first, we're gonna pick you." So I was like, "Cool, man," but you know, we have, you know, you guys don't know what the order is gonna be or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, I pretty much only knew that I was gonna go to the Wood Brothers maybe for like a couple days once everything was. Uh, was finalized but it was it was pretty hectic there for the off season oh absolutely and uh yeah that's definitely i think the ride to get during that draft and it's kind of cool that you got it uh it's been fun watching wood brothers interact with you on twitter a little bit uh john wood i think is the guy uh, running the twitter handle over there um have you talked to him or who have you talked to from the team yeah, it's been mainly mainly John. Uh, as far as you know, he's organizing this whole thing, or he's the you know the the, the driving force behind it. And uh, yeah, it's you know it's been fun. He's uh, he's very up to up to date on on uh, meme <laughs> on meme culture. So oh yeah, so, he's got uh, a game for sure. Yeah, so you know it's a place right into the social media, but um, you know it's it's just really cool. You know, driving the driving the twenty one car and. Uh, the the whole history of of essentially the oldest team in the Cup Series, I believe. Uh, you know they've been there from from the start, so it's uh, it's really awesome. You know running running for the Wood Brothers, and and you know it's it's a shame we haven't gotten off to a very good start, but I'm looking forward to changing that soon. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of John, and I think he does a great job over there of uh, you know bringing that old team into 2019 you know with social media and whatnot he does a great job but anyway um what do you think about the up-and-comers that you know in the peak series i mean it's a lot different than it was you know a couple years ago and there's a lot of new faces and a lot of people are running up front i mean uh, what do you think about these guys and how uh and, and the second part of that question is you know looking ahead I mean, what will this series look like in five years now that we've had our first draft? Yeah, I'm not really even sure what it's going to look like in six months once the season ends, <laughs> because right. we don't we don't know what next year's uh, uh, deal is. We don't know if there's going to be another draft or if we're just going to stay in the same teams or if it's going to be like open market. Um, so we're not really sure. Uh, so you know, we're just kind of taking it one race at a time, one year at a time. Um, but yeah, the series is super competitive. You know, everybody's uh, giving it 110. Uh, percent Stakes are really high. You know, it's forty thousand dollars to the champion. Uh, so, and the car, you know, the car has made it to where it's uh, it's wide open for a few laps. So everybody's really really close together at a lot at a lot of these tracks. 
and it's just super, super, super competitive. Really hard to pass. Nobody gives anything. Nobody gives anybody an inch, nor is an inch expected from anybody. So, uh, you know, it's it's created a lot of close finishes and, uh, you know, ex- exciting racing. Not not for us, but <laughs> for, for the whole series. Right, right. I mean, yeah, the peak races, and it seems like they've been piling them up a lot too. I mean, a lot of wrecks uh, at the end and. Uh, but boy, and that's just, a, I think, an outcome of that. Close racing, you know, everybody's together. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you're, you're never going to match the, um, I guess, the real world net code. You know, the you can always make a lot more contact in real life without any issues. And it's it's incredible how close we can race on the internet without having issues. In, you know, where where we were like 15 years ago in, uh, in 2K3, where you just barely touched somebody and they went, spinning like three times before they hit the wall and now you can really really race side by side uh close together but you know there's always going to be some issues with the, with the inter- internet here and there uh which causes you know the wrecks we've seen but i mean i i think it's been pretty clean considering the kind of racing we're we're doing right now so many things are different with peak this year and you have a unique perspective because you've won the championship so many times you were just there uh in homestead and um when you let's say you win again this year and you go to homestead again what's going to be different than the previous times it's going to be thirty thousand dollars more aha there you go (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's going to be different and it's going to be the last race uh, i guess the last championship uh year at homestead so that's kind of i mean for me that kind of sucks because it's my home track and i've been used to going there i've gone every year there since 2005 uh which was my first ever race so, you know, it's it's kind of gonna it's gonna it's gonna suck having that race like randomly in March, but uh, you know if uh, if we get to go to Phoenix or you know if or if they start changing the the final race every year like like there's rumored that it might happen, it'll be interesting. But yeah, that that's gonna be the biggest difference. It's just, it's just the series is a lot bigger, there's a lot more money, and uh, uh, you know, and everybody's just trying really really hard to to win the championship. That reminds me, now you posted a picture uh, of a race you went to in the past where you were standing at the 21 car, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, so that was in 2015. Uh, a few of us on, wait, no, that was, yeah, 2015 at Homestead, the the finale. So we went with uh, our team, Slip Angle Motorsports, uh, and, and just, I mean, Homestead has become kind of like a, a sim racing meetup you know final race of the year a lot of sim racers go there uh but you know especially from from our team and the picture i think is uh my teammate chris overland who's actually also racing for the wood brothers uh and we were next to the 21 car and uh you know we just so happened to get that picture so it kind of came around full circle yeah it's amazing yeah back in 2015 you would have never thought oh you know Four years from now, I'll be racing this car virtually. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did not think that. <laughs> right. All uh, right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We'll talk about Slip Angle a little bit. I mean, we, Chris is uh, obviously there with you at Wood Brothers. Uh, but what, who else is on your team? What makes your car go besides uh, you, Ray? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the team uh, was formed in 2014 by Lisa Pineda, Brian Blackford, and myself. Uh, Lisa's, you know, team owner slash PR, uh, you know, marketing, and she does a lot behind the scenes to to help us just uh, to help our brand and help us be professional and 
and how to attract sponsors and things like that. And, you know, and Brian, he was in the, he's, he was a longtime driver in the peak series and he fell off a couple of years ago and he's trying to make it back now. And I'm pretty confident he'll get back in there. And, you know, right now, you know, our, my, my teammates, the, the, we have five drivers in the peak series is myself and Chris Overland, uh, Brandon Cattell, Nick Shelton, and Jake Nichols, who you were racing last night in that server. Yeah. Um, you just barely beat me. <laughs> yeah. So you guys had a good race, uh, for the win. And, and overall, I mean, we have, we have more guys and, and gals uh, in the in the lower series. It's a pretty big team overall, and you know it's just a good atmosphere. And everybody everybody knows how to have fun, but everybody also knows how to uh, you know how how to put together uh, a good uh, I guess how, how to be professional and how to do things right, uh, which a lot of uh, a lot of the teams in the past have struggled with in sim racing, not knowing how to balance the just having a good time versus being too serious about it. Um, you know, I think we have we have the right balance where everybody enjoys being around each other and and uh, but we also know how to get the job done. All right, very good. Yeah, I would say a veteran team for sure. Um, yeah, it, we weren't sure how that was going to work out with the you know the teams like yours and and now it's all of a sudden Wood Brothers. But you know, luckily you and Chris are on the same Wood Brothers, so that's kind of nice. So, I mean, what did you initially think? Did you think like, oh, I'm going to have to not work with these guys anymore, or what was your thought? Yeah, well, I I had some say, and uh, <laughs> Chris being in there, you know, I, I definitely wanted one of my slip angle teammates as a teammate. That that would have just made it, uh, you know, it just makes it a lot easier. Uh, I know there are drivers that uh, they're paired with somebody who's not in their own team, so they're not even working together. Right. That's um, what I'm referring to. You know, to everybody here. still has their own sim racing team and essentially the the esports teams are we're representing them in the series. Um but we're not like you know, teammates working together. But in my case I am. I am actually working with Chris and he's got everything I got and I got everything he has as far as the setup goes. So that so that's very it's a very smooth and I mean the, the testing and th and things like that are not weird and you know, not that it's weird for the other drivers. Everybody just kind of knows that, you know, people have their own teams or whatnot. But there's there's a few other teams I think that have. Uh, uh, I think the the junior motorsports guys also work together, uh, Conti and Davies, right? And the uh, the Williams Esports, uh, Busa and Schoenberg, they work together also. I think with Conti and Davies, so those guys all they're like a, they're all a team and they're all like split up into two different teams. Yep, yep, lots of uh, cross-pollination there and whatnot. But all right, well, very good. Uh, let's talk about your social media. I mean, you talk about your Twitch. I mean, uh, you got going on Twitch. I looked at it last night after the race and uh, saw you all pile up there. But tell everyone how they can follow. Yeah, so all, social media, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook is Ray Alfala um, and uh, twitch.tv slash Ray Alfala. So uh you know I'm, I'm pretty active on all the social media stuff uh instagram not so much i mean recently i've gotten back into it but i i was off for it for like three or four years but i'm pretty active on facebook and twitter and uh yeah you know getting the twitch stuff going uh it's it's pretty cool just looking at looking at race replays and and just trying to see what you did in, in certain situations and um it's very it's very it's a good way to do homework on yourself and your competitors and and just getting everybody else involved in, in the series and having people watch the races live, you know, I think, I mean, in, in the past, I, I used to 
uh, get a GoPro and record myself racing and then upload it to YouTube. But that's always after the fact, you know. There's a there's something special about it happening live and people being able to interact with it as it's happening. So that's pretty awesome that Twitch is a thing. Yep. I want to see a meltdown or something. <laughs> yeah, about that professionalism part. That's where that comes in. All right, very good. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, third time on the on the show. You're certainly welcome back anytime. Uh, we've been rooting for you. Watch the the classic Wood Brothers 21 out there, and uh, it's been fun seeing that paint job on the on the track. And so, uh, welcome. Now we're going to talk about the peak race, but first, let's talk about uh, the SRA League Sim Racing Authority, and uh, the guy who beat me last night, night Jake Nichols. Uh, took the win at the Sim Racing Authority iRacing Lounge podcast series uh, on Sunday night Xfinity. Uh, Jake Nichols won the race. He was able to hold off uh, Sabal for the stage win at lap 50, and Ben Nelson was third. Um, with around 60 laps to go, front runners Femi Olat, Freddie De La Rosa, and Nick Northrop were involved in an incident and ended their races. Ben Nelson would go on to defeat Jake Nichols with a late race pass. Okay, I misspoke. Jake Nichols won the stage win. But then Ben Nelson won the race uh, with a late race pass on Jake Nichols as he led only eight out of the 130 laps. Next week, Phoenix for the seventh race of the season. They got quite a, a league over there. Lots of big names. Ben Nelson, Jake Nichols. These guys are quick, man. Yeah, some of those, some of those are teammates of, of mine. Uh, like, you know, Jake and uh, Bobby last year, he was on Slip Angle. So I've, I've heard a lot of good things about SRA, but I, I've never run a race myself. Yep, yep. Check it out, guys. They, they are broadcasted, too. So, All right, let's jump into the peak race and talk about that. Mason, tell us what you saw early on. Yeah, so we were at Richmond, uh, 200 laps, and we started at the sunset. Um, Ryan Luza with the pole and dominated early. Um, there were several cautions, um, first of which happened on lap 22, um, and then another one on lap 29 where Bobby Lezlinski got quite a bit of damage um, a couple self spins causing these cautions um, pretty regular th- too yeah and then we had uh, a nice special guest here Steve Latart joined the broadcast to compare iRacing to the real life NASCAR and uh, was quite complimentary of it now, now I, I kind of missed the beginning I was at work but did Steve call the race like he's calling a race like he does for yes. NBC he was actually color commentating just as if it was watching in NBC awesome you know, Michael Waltrip did that the other day with that one race, and and uh, when Steve Latart started his team, I twittered him. I said, "Dude, you need to get in the peak booth and call one of these peak races." Yeah, there was a caution right as he was talking, and he actually called it, which was pretty cool. Um, but then we had, speaking of the cautions, we had um, Clampett took the lead after a couple more cautions, and uh, but then he did scrape the wall, and uh, Blake Reynolds and Keegan Lee he blasted past for first and second. Um, some close racing caused more cautions at the end, um, people checking up and just getting run over. And uh, finally, at the end, we had a, a six-to-go restart, and uh, or a caution six-to-go, which had a last lap restart, and uh, Keegan Lee, he hit the wall and dumped Garrett low. Uh, but Blake Reynolds got a strong run in second with Ryan Luzo winning. Wow, Ryan is hot, hot, hot. Now, Ray, we didn't mention your name at all there. What was your race about? I mean, we you can't follow it because they don't follow uh, nothing but the leaders. But, uh, I mean, what was your race? Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, that's uh, probably uh, 
I was really angry after that race. That's one one of the most flustered moments for that I've been after a race in a really long time. Uh, mostly because I, you know, I felt like I I made some pretty good moves during the race and put myself in in position as uh, as there were several guys getting involved in crashes and things like that, and I kept my car clean for almost a whole race, and then uh, had a car just get a little bit loose in front of me. He checked up, and I ran into the back of him. And that made my car overheat. And then we went for like a 30 lap run. I basically had to go around there clutching into the clutching into the corners, right foot braking and just being in the way and dropping back to 20th. So I was very heated after that race. Uh, actually, I went and worked out after the race. That's how bad it was <laughs> at midnight. I, I went for a workout. So um, it was uh, not, a, not a great result. And I thought we were in a really good spot there. We had fresher tires than like the entire top six. And we were running eighth with like 50 to go. Uh, and tires are very, very important. We, uh, you know, Luza was pretty dominant early, and he was on like ten lap older tires than some guys in the middle of the race, and they all just basically motored by. Right. So we knew we were at a pretty big advantage once we had those tires. But unfortunately, you know, we got caught up in something really silly, and a lot of the guys that were involved in crashes early in the race got past us and beat us so that was uh not not the greatest of uh races for us no now you've had what i would say some maybe some bad racing luck would you call that this year so far yeah i mean you know you, you make most of you make most of your luck and you know most of it is uh is just uh if if you run up front you're less likely to get caught up in stuff whether where if you if you run in the, in the middle of the pack you're just statistically more likely to be around more cars so uh, we haven't been qualifying very well. Um, just, uh, you know, the, the car sometimes doesn't have the speed. Sometimes it's me that's messing up. I know at, at Richmond, I kind of knew my lap wasn't very good, but I, I didn't think it was bad enough to, to reset. I know a lot of the drivers, uh, including Luza, he reset. Uh, he gave up on lap one and then got the pole on lap two. Um, I decided not to do that, so I started 13th. Um, and I mean, most of the season, you know, there's just we've just been involved in some stuff uh, that's been out of our control. But other times, it's just a little bit of lack of speed. So, you know, everybody's working really hard to find speed, and it's kind of one of those things where if if you don't find it, you have no idea how to find it, and then you do find it, and you have and you don't know how you never found it before because it's usually just like some simple stuff. Right. Right. Well, well if you find it, feel free. <laughs> I mean, but you know that race, the peak race, yeah, it looked like NIS. I mean, it was just wreck after wreck, at least through the first part of it. You know, ten lap run, twelve lap run, that kind of thing. You know what? Though I was really impressed with Blake Reynolds. He and Keegan Lee, he had quite the battle at the end. They raced side by side for at least ten, fifteen laps. Yeah, yeah Blake I... was really fast on the long run. He passed a lot of drivers coming up through there after uh, on a long run there and. I think he would have had something for Ryan had it uh had it not you know I mean th these races are always just going to kind of turn into a wreck fest if if you have I mean we had our long green flag run and it's one of those like if 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 it goes green for a really long time it can just go green forever but if you have one crash with like 50 to go then that's it it's all over because everybody's yeah. trying really hard and you can't make contact as well as you can in the real world so 
you know, that's that's the kind of stuff that starts that's happens towards the end of the races. All right. All right. Well, that was the peak race. Uh, Talladega next. Uh, we talked about that a little bit. So good luck, Ray. We're always pulling for you here at the uh, iRacers Lounge and uh, hope you have a great season. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I got to get out of here. But before I'll just do a little sponsor plug for Virtual Racing School. Yes. Uh, if you guys are looking to improve your driving, we have a lot of drivers on there, a lot of world championship drivers on there. And in the series includes Keegan Leahy, Bobby Zelensky, and myself. We give coaching and data packs, which are basically uh, we show how to drive around the track and how to, you know, just, just what we go through when we're testing and how to improve as a driver and one-on-one coaching sessions. So if you're interested in just improving your driving and how to how to go fast on iRacing, check out virtualracingschool.com. But uh, thank you, thank you for having me, guys. And you know, maybe I'll maybe the next time I'll be back here, uh, I'll have visited Victory Lane uh, more recently. Yeah, we we do bring good luck, and that's been known to happen. So, yeah, yeah good luck out there. All right, thank you. Now, David, uh, let's jump into stories. You're up first. Well, the first story is a little uh, discussion about that a member posted asking for some sound to be added for ABS. Uh, a lot of the vehicles, especially on the roadside, have ABS features, and there are some force feedback options, but no sound. He put in a request, and the staff responded that that's something they'd like to add. I don't think it's highest priority, but they're looking at it. All right. I noticed you know, recently the sounds with the starter... Um, and, you know, uh, turn on the ignition to the the car. I mean, that was recently added. But this would be nice to have the anti-brake uh, sounds. Uh, I guess I don't know what those are, you know. I'd have to hear them, I guess. Yeah, I don't really run GT3s very often. Um, once you get up to the GTE or any of the prototypes, they don't have ABS. So all you get is a light that lights up, and you can hear your tires screeching if you lock them up. I think what they got to kind of do is make the chattering sound with your tires it's more of like a tire squealing sound like on off sound click yeah, click if, if you if you do it in a real car you you, you hear that it definitely it's a kind of a kind of thing right so go test that out in your car i just did yesterday <laughs> you're what do you got a somebody, corolla uh no uh, an ultima somebody just flat out pulled out in front of me i mean i had to slam hard and so did you chatter the brakes, or did you flat spot your tire? Um, it's got ABS, so it chattered them. Yeah. All right. Good. Good thing you had ABS. All right, Chris, uh, tell us what's next. Sign Thief. Yeah, next was um, a tweet by iRacing. Um, they, uh, this is about a week and a half old, but you can probably find this by uh, a Twitch user Balkan3D. Um, that's a little clip they posted, and uh, he's racing at Silverstone, and a guy has a sign stuck to the front of his car and goes flying by him, and um, he's live streaming. So it's kind of one of those funny things to to catch on a live stream, and I think he he almost wrecked it laughing so hard, and this guy goes flying by him with a sign stuck to his bumper. Yeah, and he didn't slow him down, man. That guy was going for it still, and that sign wasn't coming off. I mean. No, oh, it wasn't one of the little ones either. I don't know how he saw. I wish I, I wish we could have got a video from his in car. I don't even know I could see the drive. Now, lots of times at Bristol, somebody in the cup car will get the cone, but you can't keep it on your car for very long. It'll fall off. But this one, yeah, he couldn't get rid of it. <laughs> All right, uh, Greg, uh, top 10 for March. So the uh, March top 10's out again. Um, 
for the for that month and it's uh got some pretty good highlights for this month uh i don't know what you guys think of the top 10 it was just uh normal good finishes and close finishes and three wide battles that they're showing the one that uh, got me was the 10 one though eh? when he goes to the grass to pass everybody in the uh porsche yeah I like the one where they go around a blind corner and somebody's blocking the track and he has to try to miss it. I think uh, number seven, but yeah, like it, it's crazy. He goes around the, the the corner and there's like this little tiny hole to get through and you just squeeze through there. Uh, but I don't know. I always get excited watching these uh, these videos because it just makes me want to go racing. It's fun. Well, yeah, and you think about some of these series you don't normally run, like the asphalt sprints. You wonder what it'd be like. So. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. I saw that video. I was like, man, I kind of want to run that. Well, and there's the, what is it, the Audi, um, what's that series, that old, the older Audi car and the, uh, I can't think of the other car, what it is, but I'm just watching it right now. I think it's number eight, but those are old vintage cars racing, and it's looked oh. like a good league battle the or Campbell a race Cup. battle. Yeah, that's oh, what it is, Campbell Cup. Yeah, that's a car that looks like a wedge. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, David, uh, beta UI VR update coming hashtag soon. Yeah, they won't give out the specific information, but they're, or as far as timing, but they're working on it with uh, s- fixing several of the login issues, particularly for VR. They're going to be working on making it that you can use the website beta UI and only launch when you're ready to go into the actual web server, which is definitely the biggest complaint that a lot of people have. I know for me, I don't, I, I mean, I don't like to have the headset on except for when I'm racing. Uh, if you watch my stream, you'll see me having, having it set on top of my head a lot because, because it's easier to look at the monitors and, and just a little bit more convenient. Uh, so hashtag soon. Yeah. He says, we're not ready to share timing yet, but it is currently all hands on deck to make this change. So major overhaul to the beta UI coming is what he says. I wonder if that's the uh, June build that they're doing that in. Yeah. That's probably reasonable to say, yeah. All right, Mason, tell us about SMP. All right, so this is on the uh, PIMAX 5K plus SPS on PP off uh, thread on the forums, and it was a post, um, an answer by Sean Nash. Um, regarding SMP slash SPS, and he says we're adding true three-screen multi-projection for GTX 2000 series video cards at the moment uh, to be released next season. With this, you can have three screens without the current SMP defects and limits. You can go all the way up to 175 degrees FOV and have side screens at the full tilt angles and other uh, issues that they were fixing. So the 2080s really have a much more advanced version of SMP SPS all around than the 1080s. So interesting. I don't necessarily understand all of that, but it sounds good. It, It sounds like that's a reason to have a 2080 over a 1080 because of the advanced version of SMP and SPS. You know, when you have multi-projection checked in graphics, your uh, FOV gets limited a little bit uh, because of that. And so he's saying if you have one of these cards, it can go as high as 175 uh, because it's a GTX 2000 that takes advantage of those features. True, and it seems that right now the workaround is to have parallel project parallel project off and SPS on and that will smooth the frame rate for now. All right. 
Tony Rochette, June is too soon. AI. Yeah, the AI apparently is not going to be in the June build, according to a post in the AI Q&A forum from uh, Alex Horn. Um, he also chimed in about he's going to ask for a progress video for uh, the AI. Not that likely sucks. for June. But they but they said they were going to be it was going to be more fall to for that they were going to bring that out anyways. This is not something new. I remember last time they didn't say they thought it was going to be later on in the year. Yeah. Just sucks. It doesn't need I, I just, I'm sure it'll have that that i racing level of polish when it comes out. I just kind of wish they just let us play with it. <laughs> they had thousands of Maybe beta one testers. Car. Yeah, it's not going to screw up anybody's race. I mean, put it on the put it on the beta UI when they fix it, and that'll force us to use that and try that out or something. Yeah, Don't let's give play them with ideas. It. We're just <laughs> drop or just drop make it available in tests. I need it for restarts, man. I'm terrible at restarts. That'd be that'd be so helpful to practice without the stress of having to wreck somebody. Right? <laughs> yeah, I need it right yeah. now because I'm terrible in the whole race. <laughs> yeah. All so right, so. Now, somebody in the chat right before the show found something else about the June build that's not in the script, but who found that and what is it? Uh, Barcelona and Silverstone are being worked on for the, for the F1 cars. For the uh, June build. For the, for the, they're trying to get it out for the June build, and they said with, with Silverstone, if it's not ready by the June build, they'll probably release it as a, uh, as a standalone patch as soon as it's ready they won't instead wait, of waiting no. for the next build. Well, the Silverstone is just, a, they already have Silverstone, they just have to put it in the new configuration that it is, and after they rescanned it, because uh, they've changed the track. Didn't they change it again? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's gone through several iterations, and the, the current one that we just ran a couple of weeks ago, I don't remember if it was IMSA or Le Mans series, but we were just there, and everybody was complaining that it was the old track. Well, they had to re-redo it after uh, the MotoGP bikes or something couldn't race on it because of the way they had designed it for the F1 cars. There's your link. All right. Check the show notes, guys. Uh, we do a lot. Everything is linked there, so everything we're talking about you can find. Tony, you're next. Tell us about Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s niece. I was wondering who this was. Okay, so that's making a lot, heck of a lot more sense. Well, Carson Elledge and... She's extremely thankful to iRacing for sponsoring her uh, her midget car at uh, for her race at Kokomo. Um, pretty damn nice looking car too. Um, I got to looking a little further into it. She wasn't uh, overly happy with her with her finishes, but uh, she was still grateful and um, you know put up a nice positive note that hey, you got to have nights like that to be able to appreciate the good ones. So. You know, good on her for a good attitude and, and you know, if nothing else, at least being in a great looking uh, midget car. Yeah. Paint job looks pretty good. I mean, it doesn't, it's not the same as Christopher Bell's, but it's different. It's more of a blue uh, base, but uh, I like it. Tony, you obviously don't listen to uh, the Dale Jr. download, eh? Uh, I have not as of recently. Nope. Guilty as charged. He usually talks about her on it every once in a while so he did this week he had his nephew on recently as a guest actually all right well that's cool to see i racing um you know sponsoring drivers out there we can't we have kind of lost track of uh what's his name uh ty majeski um i think he's just gone back to late models and stuff but uh too bad he couldn't find some sponsorship for uh, nascar 
But uh, all right, yeah. let's talk. Uh, next one is Skippy. I'll take this one. Um, there is a uh, message from Steve Myers in the forums because there was a thread asking, "Did the Skippy chart Skippy car change?" And he said there was an update on that car because we had a package that we tested on the release branch that we decided to back out. Because the package file existed on the new version.txt file was created. So nothing to see here. We are testing updates to the car and we hope to get it out in a patch soon. There's a Skippy community that's pretty upset with the car right now because of the way, the way it's driving. Yeah, and then the, there was a a download of that car you had to download an update to the car before you could drive it and so everyone thought that they changed the car but he's saying no we actually were going to change the car but we decided not to we backed out the change april fools yeah so anyway that happened uh david 24 hours of nurburing okay another one of the endurance races is coming up i uh, know we're passing on this one uh I just don't have. I don't think I have the brain to learn this track. It's a 16.1 mile track, 20, 26 kilometers for you metric folk. It's uh, at Nuremberg, and you it's, mean a, you. it's the combined racks. No, I, I think miles in distance. Uh, inside joke for the people who listen to the podcast. Uh, they get mad at me when I talk in Celsius. Um, it's pretty much fallen into the same standard format that that iRacing has kind of established for the big endurance races. There's going to be two two times that it's run one that's kind of more beneficial for europeans and one that, that fits a little bit better for for the western hemisphere it's running at the combined track so it's quite long uh the sim start time is on may 4th at 2 30 in the afternoon there's a 30 minute warm-up 25 minute uh solo qualifying for two laps and then the 24-hour race with dynamic weather it's split by i rating and it is a team event they haven't set an incident limit and the field size is 55 and the field if this is all gt3 cars as well as the uh global global mazda mx5 all right get it man that's a tough track that is a big one uh, i want to see how the participation and the incident limits in there i i just can't, i want to see how many people are actually going to participate in that it won't be as much as Le Mans. i mean Le Mans is a big track too but Lamar's yeah. more legendary. There's there's an exponential or order almost order magnitude difference between three miles and sixteen miles. In fact, that is an order of magnitude. Yeah, that's true. But even three miles is hard to you know get your brain wrapped around, and like you said, it's hard to get your brain wrapped around a sixteen lap a sixteen mile track, and you got to have that kind of memorized, you know. Yeah, three miles. It's it, it's long, but part of it is this is huge. It's got three gigantic straights that are that are almost a mile each. I mean, so you're not learning that many more corners than you do on some of the other road roads. I find Spa harder to learn than than uh, Le Mans. Lamar. Yeah. All right. Very good, Mason. Energy drinks. Yeah, we had. Uh, I I saw this video on one of the Facebook groups I follow. Um, World Rally driver Louise Cook um, posted up a video of her uh, seeing if energy drinks make you drive faster on uh, iRacing. And um, she got in an open-wheel car and uh, went around, uh, I forget which road course it was, but she was uh, doing laps around the road course and 
she beat her time without energy drinks um, on like the first lap after she had taken the energy drink. Uh, but then she could not keep the car under control because her inputs became a little jittery. Um, so on the long run, it didn't pay off, but in the short run, it, it gave her the boost for one, like one lap. All right. Do you guys drink energy drinks? What do you drink when you race? Water. I just had coffee. Diet <laughs> do. Energy There's drinks a are the times. devil. There's yeah. a couple of times if I when I've had the night shift in the 24-hour race, I actually drink some of my pre-workout because it's the only thing in my house that has caffeine. Energy drinks are only good with vodka in them. That's Hot a Friday night special. Is that a Red Bull and vodka? Yep. <laughs> All right, uh, Tony Rochette, uh, Larson at Lanier. Yeah, Monday night, uh, I guess uh, Kyle Larson ran a hosted dirt uh, street stock race at Lanier on uh, racing. He's never ran one before. Uh, he qualified 20th. Uh, he finished third in his heat, and he went from seventh to win the feature. Um, hopefully this will be start some good luck for him because uh, he's definitely had a bad year so far. Pretty cool. He wins his first time out in the first time trying it. But he is a dirt racer, so. All right, uh, Tony, uh, NIS stress. Yeah, boy, uh, <laughs> what a fitting uh, topic for me to touch on, eh? Um, yeah, so uh, Justin Prince posted up uh, kind of a, well, let's just say he's, he's he got himself pretty stressed out and, uh, uh, almost seemed like he had a bit of an anxiety attack. He's, uh, um, he's probably like me having a little bit of bad luck in the NIS. Um, it, uh, seems to have kind of gotten the better of him and he was just kind of reaching out and seeing if, uh, anyone else had experienced, uh, you know, similar stuff as him and, uh, boy, oh boy. Yeah, I can certainly say that. I don't think I've had one good race this season. Um, uh, now I can say personally for me, you know, most of that's not because of racing or anything like that. But when you, you know, when you're looking to kind of unwind from, you know, from the crap from real world, you know, you jump into a race and, uh, like, uh, my, the last NIS race I ran, I ran one lap before I got totally demolished. Um, it certainly doesn't help your stress levels, uh, so much to the point where myself, I've had to kind of just take a break from NIS and just run some other things uh, just to just so I can have fun. Because ultimately, that's what, you know, this hobby is all about is enjoying yourself and and having fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of posts on this uh, thread about people uh, saying, hey, yeah, I get stressed running NIS, too. Um and, you know, one thing that Justin pointed out was, is that the limited amount of starts, does it make it more pressure-filled, knowing that, you know, one mistake and, you know, you have a bad week and that kind of thing. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot to it. Yeah, okay. well, it's, it's, it's sorry, Greg, but it's it's a long season. It's 36 weeks. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing yourself and you want to do good. Um, and, uh, yeah, like you said, limited starts, maybe... You know, maybe you're only one of those guys that can uh, run just once a week. And most of the time, that's, you know, that's myself. I can only hit one start. Um, so if you have a bad start, it's just like, what the hell? Like, you know, you start questioning, like, why, why am I even doing this? This is dumb. But ultimately, you do it because it's fun and you love it. Well, what I was going to say there was 
is it's kind of you're just kind of pointed out on it there tony like i can i can maybe get two in a week but one is about where i'm at too and i know after last night i, I don't know if the guys could hear it they probably heard it on as i was leaving but i was pretty frustrated with the way last night's race had gone and the way bristol had gone the week before i just i don't know i I was having that problem today when I was at work. I just was thinking about the bad race and I shouldn't be care. You shouldn't be carrying that afterwards. It's, you know, it should be something where you're just enjoying it and, you know, it's done, it's done. And I used to be that way, but I think that was because I was getting more starts. The one a week is probably causing me to be a little bit more weary about it too. So let's look at this the other way. I mean, yes, this, you know, this post is almost two pages long of people talking about, you know, their experiences or, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, like Greg, you said yourself that you're thinking about it the next day as you're, you know, trying to make your way through your work day. And um, I'm sure we've all done that. Uh, you know, like, holy crap, we log into the internet. We, we do this, you know, fake racing, um, but it's gripped us so tightly uh we can't get it out of our minds like it's it's um that's it's pretty wild when you when you kind of break it down like that well i think that's the answer i mean it's really not fake racing it's real racing even though technically it is fake racing but it's real in the fact of it reminds me of back in the day when i was a kid i used to watch abc wide world of sports and at the beginning howard cosell would say the uh you know the beauty of winning and the agony of defeat and that's really what this is all about is, yes, there's a lot of good high spots, uh, you know, like last night when I ran that car cup race and I almost beat all those peak guys and I finished second. I was leading with two to go and I was like stoked after that. I was like, holy crap, I can run with these guys. And that was like a big moment for me. But on the other hand, you have these agony of defeat, like you said, when you get wrecked on lap one on your only start of the week. And you're trying to run for points. And that really is, a, you know, agony of defeat. And I, I think that's really what it, it's about is this is a sport. We're participating in a sport. And this is why we have feelings about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the emotion is is definitely real. You know, like the high in the highs, right? Your your heart's pumping when you're when you're leading a race or, you know, you're, you're five to go and, and you're almost there. And, you know, your heart's just pumping out of your freaking chest and you're trying to keep yourself calm so you don't wreck the damn thing. Um, it's it's crazy. I've never experienced anything else uh, quite like this is, you know, it's it's wild, man. Well, I was I was just thinking there, too, while we were talking about it. There was, you know, to use one of our teammates, he, you know, he had a week where he's like, you know, what, I'm about to sell my whole rig and all that stuff and didn't want to race anymore. And then. The next day he goes out and wins a race and he feels, you know, 100% better. Like there's so many different changes, like the high, you were saying the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows. But, you know, there's some, there's sometimes you just got to find that spot in the in-between where you can just enjoy it. And that's where I found Old Bastard Racing League because <laughs> there's my happy place. I, I find my balance through the fact that it's not the only thing I do. I mean, I do race a lot, but it's not the only thing I do. I do, I have, a, I have a good career going, and you know, have a blast going to the gym every day too. So, like, if I have a bad race, I know I can still go pick things up and put them down, or I know I'm going to go get to spend, the, you know, move the baton and make some music with some kids the next day. So, uh, I get hot headed in the moment, but I can basically ten minutes later basically have forgotten the races happened 
Yeah. Uh, Tony Rochette and I were talking about Richmond. We were holding our breath in the corners. We're playing a, uh, we're sitting at a computer, you know, not doing anything. And I'm, and Tony, why are we holding our breath? You don't want to wreck. <laughs> but I mean, that's how much you're up on the wheel is you get down in one and two and, and you want to be so precise and you're so up on it that you hold your breath because you don't want to have that one little jitteration because you're breathing out, you know? Oh yeah. And your heart rate's up and you're sweating and you're shaking and everything else. And uh, so it can be a good thing, but it can go bad too. So find that balance guys. All right, Greg world of outlaw. Okay. So it looks like Alex, Bergeron won at Lima Land here, so we're going to the page here. I racing has a nice little spread about it. And man, just looking at it, um, I, we haven't heard him in the news for a while. I mean, we haven't really been color, covering the world of outlaws much on here, but uh, they have a nice little write up here on the iRacers page. And uh, uh, the pictures are, I like, I, I, I wanted to get into these cards, but. Uh, haven't gotten into it much, but um, what do you guys think? You know, he's still kill, he's still killing it eat out there. The kid is on fire. I mean, there's no beating him right now. So Alex Bergeron getting it done. Uh, good job to him. I did watch the video uh, afterwards uh, up on the big screen, and I was entertained. It was fun to watch. A lot of two and three wide racing. A great track where. All three lines were really working, and um, you could be in the top, middle, or, or bottom, and 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 at different parts of the race, different lines would be faster. And you really have to kind of pay attention to the broadcast to really see that. I mean, you can't just be casually watching. You really have to focus to kind of see those things, and uh, I did, and it was kind of fun to watch. All right, Chris, Trading Paints. So the last couple of weeks, we've been trying to explain um, iRacing's new update with the numbers and what you need to do in trading paints to see your numbers and all that good stuff. And um, uh, Justin Rowden created a, a really good guide that explains this stuff. Uh, so if you go on the forums and uh, search for Justin Rowden or um, just check out the, um, the show notes for uh, a link to that, it's, a, it's much better explained than what we could do. <laughs> It's all in how you name the file, you know. You do car underscore and then the number, or you do car underscore N-U-M underscore and then the number. And so with the N-U-M, that's the one with the custom number. So like if you're Ray and you're driving the Wood Brothers 21, you're going to permanently paint that 21 onto your paint. And, that, and you would name that paint as car underscore num underscore and then your number. I think there's a lot of people who are trying to get around the having to use pro. I was behind a car uh, just last night and I could see his proper number and then I could see a, another number uh, tucked underneath, underneath it. it. So what that is, is that person doesn't know what they're doing and they painted their own custom number and they uploaded it to Trading Paints Free. And that's what happens if you do that. You end up with a car that gets double stamped. And so you, you have to have Trading Paints Pro if you're going to upload a custom number paint. Otherwise, you cannot have a custom number on your paint. All right, uh, I got the next one, Stat Plotter. This is the coolest little website I, I've ever seen. It was pretty cool. I, 
the website is shiny.linnaluoto.eu. But anyway, if you go there, um, it gives you a I-rating distribution of all the iRacers and where their I-rating sits uh, via road or oval. And you can kind of see where you stand in this uh, bell curve, so to speak. So, Mason, am I explaining this right? Uh, we kind of talked about this yesterday. Yeah, I was trying to uh, figure it out, and I didn't have much luck. But, um, but yeah, it, it does. If you choose the right setting, you can see if you choose the win rate slash I rating setting, and you um, search by like United States, you can search just by United States drivers and then click on a point and it'll tell you what drivers fit into that I rating and wins per start uh, category. Oh yeah. The win rate uh, slash I rating. Yeah. This is kind of neat because it does a plot of everybody and you can kind of see where you land as far as your I rating versus your wins divided by number of starts. And what I was telling you was, if you click on the dots that are up above everybody else that are kind of out in the peripheral, those are the aliens, okay? And so if you click on the one over here that's like way up in the air, uh, you know, that happens to be um, Ty Majeski. And then this one is Tyler Majeski. And then there's this other guy, uh, Joseph McClure. And, and then there's like all these different ones uh like there's Mitchell DeJong, like he's one of those aliens that's kind of outside of everybody else. And so you can actually click on the dot and see who it is. There's Gregor Hutu. Um, his I rating is 9,925 and his winning percentage is 0.5. And so uh, kind of neat to play with this website and kind of click around and see what the uh, who the aliens are. And it's also kind of neat to find your own name. So like if you click down in the blue where everybody is, you'll see a list of where you clicked and like it'll show you all the drivers around that spot. And so. Yeah, it's interesting to see who I clicked on the combined road and oval. So comparing their oval I rating and their road I rating. And uh, Logan Clampett is the highest combined. Yeah. He's what the is alien, it combined? Right? Uh, he has road eighty-one seventy, oval ninety-two sixty-seven. Wow! And who are the other aliens? Ray Alfala, there's one of them. Bobby Zelinsky, he's another one. Michael Conti, Tyler Hudson, yeah, the usual suspects. Is there? <laughs> while we're talking, we keep bringing it up. Do we got? Do we think we need to retire the the word alien from sim racing now that? it's become such a huge thing and these guys are just pros like alien just seems so back when there was so many hacks and stuff like that it's now you know not you know this isn't a hacking type thing right no it's not a hacking thing at all i just i don't know my my uh, definition of that is somebody who's just abnormally faster than everybody else they're on another planet they're an alien and how like, they yeah. can't three tenths faster than anybody <laughs> could be cheating. Could be that they're just damn good, you know. So does that mean Kyle Busch is an alien now in NASCAR? Yeah, he's definitely an alien, definitely, because he his stats. If you would stack them up on a plot like this, like we're looking at here, he would be one of the outstanding dots for sure. Well, I guess compared to like someone like 
Chase Elliott or something like that, he would be an alien, right? right. Starts to wins ratios. Right, exactly. Anyway, check that website out. It's kind of fun. Uh, it actually worked on my iPhone, too, and uh, there's several different things you can look at, like uh, the combined road and oval. They actually have a safety rating distribution uh, graph as well that's kind of interesting to look at. All right, David, Porsche Super Cup is coming. This is our new uh, $100,000 prize that replaced the F1 championship, right? Yes, they're kicking it off this weekend at Barber Motorsports Park. Uh, they're running the 911 GT3 Cup. Um, it's a 10-race season, and it's got an interesting format. There's going to be a, there's a, a t- qualifying and then an eight-car inversion sprint race, and then after that, a full-length 30-minute race. So it's split into kind of three segments, each of those segments paying points, and you can get up to like 160 points uh, if you have a perfect weekend. Um, there's a list on the site that you can go check out. So who are the drivers are? I took a glance at it. I've seen a few of those names on the track and, uh, a large prize pool, just like, I believe it is the hundred thousand dollar prize pool, just like, uh, NASCAR peak. It's going to be interesting. Also the champion, I don't know if it's just the champion or some of the top drivers, but they're, they're going to the uh, night of champions gala and it'll be the first time they have both sim racers and real life racers at the night of champions gala nice trip to germany for free all right let's get into hardware software greg uh, fanatech put out a nice video about their new product yeah we were gonna talk about this last week but uh it looks like they're starting a, a need or uh what do you call it a over the next couple of weeks, it looks like they're going to be re- releasing videos that show what the uh, everything the features on on their new direct drive systems all mean and all that stuff. It's kind of a, a, an in depth look at it through through multiple videos, and it looks like the uh, sim racing girl uh, is going to be talking about it in it. So it's really a nice video, and uh, I can't wait to see what the uh, reviews show for this when they come out. It's good if you want to, it's a great video if you want to really get your eye on the product and see what it looks like. They really show it in a lot of different angles and a lot of different setups. Or continue to salivate as you wait on your back order. Right. <laughs> All right, let's keep hey, moving. I'm extremely happy, though, with the F1 rim that I got as a result of that. So it, it, it worked out for me in the long run. All right, well, we'll see when you actually get your base, and then we'll see. All right, Chris, uh, Swedish? Rig design. Yeah, Swedish Rig Designs builds um, 80-20 rigs and uh, pretty reasonable prices. And they have a ton of options to kind of um, piecemeal your rig and make it your own. I mean, uh, they have a, a ton of um, a different pre-built uh, options to choose from. But you can you can pretty much just uh, start from scratch. Like I said, they have uh, everything you could, could want in the 80-20, it seems. Yeah, eighty twenty pre-built rigs. And Mason, what do you think about the price? Is this competitive? I mean, you just bought a rig, uh, eighty twenty rig. Yeah, um, I do think it is competitive. Um, it it's set up a little bit different, so I'd be curious to see how it would feel. I mean, the the base is essentially the same. It's the uh, the wheel mount and the pedals that are set up just a little bit differently um they have more 80 20 on them than like a separate manufactured piece so that I, i'm curious to see how the wheel would mount 
like how how you get the right mounting things. Right. And it wonder, doesn't have an in integrated stand either. It's a separate stand. I wonder if it comes with instructions, right, Mason? <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. That's an inside <laughs> joke. All right, so the website is SwedishRigDesigns.com. First time I've heard of them, but uh, their products look good. I mean, from what I see here, I mean, you can get a, a regular you know, rig here at 550 euros. Even if you're just looking at it here, you kind of get an idea how you want to set one up if you really wanted to build one. It's kind of a good view of how it lays out. Yeah, if you're looking for Yeah, check it out. All right, let's keep moving. David, Valve to release their VR HMD in May. Yeah, we, it, there you go, in May. Uh, we covered this a while back when they first started leaking some of the folders and photos in development. Uh, it's now showing on the Steam page. You can see that it's available coming in May. There's not a whole lot of other information other than a couple of uh, leaked images. And uh, you can see some kind of slider on the bottom one that, that probably adjusts the, the iris position. Uh, it looks like a VR headset. Not a whole lot of details. Yeah, I was kind of wondering how this will compete with the new Rift stuff coming and, and whatnot. Uh, it, sounds, it looks like it's going to be a very busy marketplace. It's hinting to support a 135 degree field of view, which is uh, 25 more than the Rift and Vive. I I did want to respond to the field of view thing. Uh, I've, I actually we heard you know a, a, an interview recently on another podcast with Marcus Ambrose, uh, who's a real life driver, and I've I've had the helmet on and, and you know done the experience thing and seeing how how wide you can see, and I know you're. The online experience is a little bit different because we're relying on different spotters. But the field of view on the VR, it is what you see in real life. And I, I really, most of the time when I'm driving, I don't, even with the field of view I have on my Rift, I don't really look to the right or left that much. Occasionally, I will take a peek to see if I've got the momentum on a straight or if the other guy does. Um, but I just don't think the field of view is a limiting factor. I think screen door is, is a factor, but I think the field of view is enough. Uh, and the and for the immersion, I, I still, I still love it. Yeah, uh, but with with the new goggles that are coming, I mean, I I think hopefully FOB will be wide enough, and the screen door will hopefully be gone, and then that takes away those issues, mm -hmm. right? One of the big it it will help, but again, I don't know that I really need that much wider of a field of view because if you have the real helmet on, you're not seeing any wider than than what. You're seeing in that VR headset. One thing, one advantage I do have, me and Mason are talking about it all the time. I can see my feet when I'm racing, um, and so I can see all my gauges. And I have my, I have a couple of floating get, uh, windows as well from for track from sim racing apps to keep up with everything is, and so it it works out for, for me pretty well. I think you know, and I'm biased, but it's just I prefer the VR thing, and I don't think that the field of view is the big limiter. All right. Well, one quick note on this headset that I was kind of disappointed with because it has a lot of really good stats, but they decided to go with the the external sensors again, which is oh. not a huge deal for eye racing. But I don't know. That's kind of a deal breaker to, for me when they have headsets where you don't have to deal with those. I think you get a little bit better resolution, but I think that that kind of sucks. Yeah, and the external sensors are really put a strain on your USB hub. Uh, you put too many things and too much bandwidth on a USB, and it, it doesn't USB so well. All right, next up, Rochette, Kill Switch, Engage. Yeah, there was an announcement on uh, on the forums there that uh, 
there's going to be a kill switch coming for the direct drive, Fanatec uh, direct drives. Um, announcement will be coming out in about two weeks, and shipment should be around launch date, uh, which is what, the 30th of April, uh, David? Uh, 31st is when they're supposed to ship. Or 30th, I guess. I get, they're in an April 31st, is there? No, it's a 30th. No. It, but that was by Thomas. Uh, Jag, it's Jagmeyer, right? Yeah, he's um, the guy behind Fanatec. Yeah, he's the guy that runs that stuff and is always talking about it. So it's going to sell mounting brackets and a kill switch to go with the DD1. So you guys that are ordered the DD1, uh, you probably need a way to mount it, and you probably want to get that kill switch. Uh, David, I was thinking you should get the kill switch be just for safety. What do you think? Um, probably, yeah. I do have I do have the mounting bracket for the base itself to go on my to go on my desk. Okay. If uh, if I end up staying that route, uh, I've uh, I've bought a cushion that's made it actually really easy to to sit for longer periods of time with my, with my office chair. <laughs> you know, that's an issue. That's the comfort issue when you get 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 to be an old fart like me. Um, and but I ran like 150 laps in our endurance race this weekend with with Mark. Uh, he ended up having something that come up and he, he, he ran basically two stints and I ran the rest of the six hours and I never got uncomfortable. So I feel like I can stick with my desk as long as the, the, the keyboard drawer that I use to hold my wheel will survive. But I don't plan on turning the force feedback up that high. I'm just, I plan on hoping for the, you know, the sensitivity and the resolution, but I, I don't need it ripping my arms off. Yeah. David, I don't know if your desk will hold that. David's a strong guy. So you don't right. wear sleeves in most of your streams. You can't not ch crank that thing up. We gotta, we gotta see that flexing, man. <laughs> yeah, but it's, there's no point in having it, having to work so hard that that you know I, I don't need to be trying to drive like Chase Elliott at at, at, at not Richmond, Bristol. Yeah, I definitely huh. take it easy on that one for sure. Since you're getting one of the first ones, that's liable to my, break anyway. <laughs> my question is, why are they only offering it for one of the DD? But come with the DD too. Oh, just did have it? to have okay, a way I to differentiate it. I yeah. missed that part. Yeah, the only difference is, uh, my understanding is, the price between DD1 and DD2 is the kill switch and then five more nano whatever meters of force, even though it's the same engine, so they're doing some kind of limiting on the DD1 to limit the amount of force, and they're not on the DD2. And it comes with the kill switch, and then there's a warranty between either two years or five years. So DD1 is two years, and DD2 is five. Now, the other thing is, is I'm wondering if, because this kill switch is being added now afterwards, I'm wondering if this is something that they had to figure. I mean, obviously, the other direct drives have kill switches, but maybe this is something that they've had to add in at something that they've found in their testing. I don't think so. I mean, they always included it with DD2. It's just that it wasn't included with DD1. They were going to sell it separately, and and now people are wondering, well, hey, you're about ready to ship. When do we? How do we get them? And so that's what this is about, I think. But let's keep moving. Mason, uh, next one is the Sim Lab P1 review. Yes. Yeah, so I purchased recently a Sim Lab P1 uh, 8020 chassis. Um, I put a bunch of photos up in our Tafosi page um, of the boxes, the completed rig, and uh, some kind of issues with the, the monitors I have. So I'll walk you through it real quick here. Um, I have a link up to the uh, SimLab P1 chassis that I ordered uh, straight from SimLab. It came from the Netherlands, I believe. 
Um, it came with all the A20 packaged up in those uh, three boxes. Um, and I ordered the integrated uh, triple monitor mount with it as well, so that attaches right to the chassis. I don't have a separate stand. Um, the the assembly was interesting. Now <laughs> <As, as laughs> let's talk know. about that. I mean, I, when we first when you first got it, you were like, "Yeah, I'm gonna tear down my current rig. I'm gonna get this set up, and we're gonna be running tonight." But that's not how it worked, right? Yeah, it came at six o'clock. I feel like I was the last delivery for the UPS guy. So I, you know, I was looking out the window <laughs> the entire night waiting for it, and I had a race at ten. So I thought I was gonna, you know, get to it, but. It took me a little bit because I've never used these kind of screws with the the corner or the the like you slide them down in the railing of the 8020 and then you screw into it. So I'd never used those. So that was part of the the learning process. Um, and uh, although the rig is fantastic and everything is solid and completely customizable and all the fantastic things about it, the instruction manual does leave a little bit to be desired. Uh, there was many times that I had to tear it apart and put it back together again. But um, how but many I, times did you actually tear it apart? Because we heard it all through the whole day. <laughs> how many times you tore it apart? The, At least five. <laughs> the biggest one was when I put the wrong rails under the seat. The ones un that I put under the seat had uh, threads drilled into them, and I needed those for the pedal uh, mounts. So. I would say at least five. <laughs> we missed the boat on starting a betting pool on how many times you were going to have to start over. But it, but it's go ahead. Did you take it apart for fun one of the times just to learn? <laughs> kind of. The the actual like chassis part without the monitors was once I got rolling, it wasn't terrible as far as like deciding where I wanted things um, and and seeing how things would fit together. It was just using the wrong parts. And that's partially my misunderstanding. Um, the integrated monitor mount was a little trickier to decide where I wanted everything. Um, and I think it's the monitors that I have. They don't fit exactly flush with, with each other. So I've had to, uh, the, the Visa uh, bracket in the back, I've had to use a bunch of washers and, and uh, nuts to help uh, spread out that, that mount from the back of the monitor and try to make it flat. So that it would line up uh, with the center monitors correctly. And I've almost got it right. Um, so that's just going to take a little more tweaking. But it's it's such a solid rig. There's no movement whatsoever. Um, I got the NRG uh, FRP300E uh, bucket style racing seat. It's a fiberglass seat. Um, and it, it has an adjustable bracket so I can choose three settings for the front and back of the seat. Right now I have it on the top setting in the front and the middle setting in the back so a little bit of a tilt uh down but it's it's pretty comfortable can the seat move at all or is it stationary uh, i could have bought the seat slider but i didn't uh, that might okay. be a purchase down the road um, but i did also i got the wheel deck mount not the front mount that would be for a direct drive but the wheel deck mount and that was very easy to mount that's why i was saying something about that other rig we were looking at um, I got the mouse pad, which is very sturdy and convenient, and the uh, keyboard tray, which is also very, very sturdy and easy to uh, flip out and back in. And I had a uh, DRD button box that had a RAM mount on it, and I just at the last second decided, oh, I'll try putting that on, and it worked out perfectly. So 
very, very pleased with it. Thank you, Sim Labs, for a solid product. Um, your instructions leave a little bit to be desired, but I'll take it uh, for the quality of the product you put out. Yeah, our website is sim-lab.eu. And uh, yeah, that's a nice looking rig. That's probably the way I would go if I was starting over. Good job. Let's get into uh, results. Uh, let's talk Bristol NIS. Uh, finish up last week, uh, Thursday fixed. I got DQ'd out after 22 incidents. I actually wasn't doing too bad, but uh, they just added up and uh, I was still surviving, but it wasn't enough. Uh, Bill, uh, teammate Bill Hull, he got a P8. He said he was in defense mode all race trying to avoid any more 4X, and, uh, but he actually got a finish. Tony, uh, you got a P boom, it says, on Friday Open. Yeah, I had a car turn right in front of me early, destroyed my front end, and I got it all repaired. It was a few laps down. I was actually running down the leader, and then the engine decided to, to die on me. So, yeah. All right, then, Chris, uh, P17, and you've been taking uh, a unique uh, strategy. Yeah, um, for the most part, I've been um, very non-aggressive <laughs> this race. I was a little aggressive, and it bit me. I was in front of a guy that I had just passed, and I tried to push it just a little bit too hard to get a, get past a, a guy that I was faster than in front of me and pushed up into the wall and wrecked both of those guys. And um, my car was fine, but I got caught up in a, a wreck later on and ended up finishing P17. I think that was just karma for the, the one I caused earlier. All right. And uh, Greg, you got wrecked out too. Blew up. Yeah, I think uh, I was running in the top 10 for the first little bit, then got in a wreck and then nursed it around. And I think I got like another little bit of wall damage and then all of a sudden it just blew up. So I don't know if it was going to blow up because of the wall damage or it just... You know, at some point from the wreck earlier, it was just bound to happen. My right. luck right now. David Hall, you had some bad luck, but a P13 finish. Um, we're talking Friday Open, right? Yeah, yeah. I, got, I, got, I don't remember. I got caught up in something early, and then I was trying to fix the damage and was struggling with remembering which side was the front stretch and ca caused myself to get a penalty and was like three laps down for most of the race. There was so much carnage, I climbed back up to 13th one lap down. All right, and then Bill Holt got a P9. He had 16X. Uh, he had to avoid that DQ for the last 150 laps. Uh, Sunday Open, Chris, you got a nice top 10, P8. Yep, uh, just tried to have a clean race after wrecking Friday and uh, had 0X until after the start finish and was in a big wreck. Um, but the cool part of that race was I uh, ran into a fan of the podcast, Jesse Gray, who was racing with um, Mason and David when they had that, that really good race. I think it was Martinsville. They finished first and second. But All yeah, right. it was, it, it was really cool to, um, uh, he was, he was very excited to um, get his name on the podcast the first time. He said he almost um, wrecked his mail truck. So hopefully he doesn't wreck anything, but I just wanted to give him a shout out. <laughs> well, hauling, knows the, hauling the mail. <laughs> yeah. Raise the mailman too. So, all right, uh, David, you got P13. Yeah, this one was going to turn out well, and the cautions just kind of killed me. Uh, discovered that tires kill you, or old tires kill you, even on the restarts at Bristol. Uh, I was running top. I was running third when a caution came out. The set was really good on the long run. We had two late cautions. Both times I kind of followed the leader's lead and stayed out. 
And both times I was horrendous on the restart. And I was so bad on the last restart that the guy behind me just was, he, he went, he shot the gap and, and the car collided with the car inside him. And he, he messaged me and said, that's my fault. And I was like, no, not really. It was, it was my, it was because the restart was so bad. It just caused a stack up. Um, so, you know, and that's something I guess you just don't, you, you, you know, you're in another situation and it seems like staying out and running the old tires is just enough to hold on for that one lap. But at Bristol, it was just so bad. And we talked about a couple of the, I, I was too timid. I was afraid of spinning the tires and just didn't turn out as good as it could have. But, you know, P13, if I'm to the point now where I'm getting disappointed with the P13s, okay. I would have liked to have had the top Still five. top half, you know. All right, uh, Sunday fixed. I wrecked out again, P30. Let's jump to Richmond. I'm going to talk about all three of my starts in one breath here because it was so bad and so similar. Uh, Wednesday fix, P25. I was DQ'd out with too many incidents with three to go right at the end. Last, uh, just a couple laps left. Uh, Wednesday open, I was P31. I got taken out by a guy on the inside while on the outside. You know, he just drives in too hard and gets into you and there's nothing you can do. You're in the wall. You can put uh, that down for the same thing for me. Yeah, it's crazy. And then today, uh, Thursday open, uh, wrecked out. Uh, now, this time, I spun off on my own, and I'll take full ownership for that. I suck. And I hit the wall, and then the engine blew, and I didn't even finish. So, really bad at Richmond for me. Tony, Rochette, what about you? You got a P5. Yeah, I started. I was too busy eating a cheeseburger. Uh, made my way all the way up front. Uh, finished P5. Uh, Brent McCoy was also in that race. He uh, started on the pole. He led most of the race on for that, and uh, he won. <laughs> he wins again. All right, Brent McCoy. And then I think he got a P2 the next race. So he got a first and a second. And so Brent is showing us up. But uh, Tony, top five, man. Good job. Uh, Stiver, uh, you didn't get a good finish. Yeah, it was, I was running the top five and just a racing deal after a restart. Um, we had different interpretations of how to get into turn three. I was on the outside and decided I was going to go a little bit lower, I guess. And the guy inside decided he was going to go a little bit higher. Yeah, you're on the outside and get taken out. That That's a common theme here, right, Greg? Well, David got spun and, and uh, I had nowhere to go and just went straight to the wall. That's the first time I've hit a wall and I've actually broke the steering on the car. I've never had the steering turn over 90 degrees from an accident like that. So that's a new one for me. Yeah, I got try it. I got put in the position I was the first time because uh, I was right. I was basically right behind Mason on that restart. I saw him getting sideways and was checking up just a little. And the guy was close behind me. He tried to get off me, but tapped me just enough to send me around. Uh, And that put me in the back. And then as I was, then uh, I got caught up in, I don't even remember the order of how many times I got caught up in some incidents. One of the times I was coming around the back and I had a, I I was shooting the the gap on the far outside and a lap car, I I think I had fixed damage. So I had pitted late and I was coming around and a lap car is 20 miles an hour slower. This is the second time this has happened to me a short track. I come around the outside of the cars that I've got a lot more momentum on and I'm just going to go ahead, go around them on the outside and either make the move or at least fall in behind them. And there's a car there. I had to slam on the brakes and it banged up the nose. And that was pretty much, that pretty much did me in for a while. And then I, I had, I had some other instance that a guy squeezed me into the wall. And then at the end, um, I was, I still had a chance to go for a top 10, uh, 
caught a car that had a bad restart and I'm, I'm I tried to move to the inside of him while the car was also on the inside of me so I could not pull down as far as I wanted to he pulled down we had a little bit of a net code and ended up uh with a meatball with a few laps to go all right uh Bill Hull got a p9 um not a, a good that's a good run for him and then I think Justin Laird ran as well but I don't know where he finished uh Thursday uh Tony Rochette, you ended up with the P18 earlier today. Yeah, lap two, I was coming out of turn two, and there was a car blocking me, my view, and I go to the right, and all of a sudden there's a car stopped in the middle of the track, and I plowed right into him. Um, spent most of the race trying to fix my uh, car and just ended up with a P18. Yeah, and then Bobby Jonas was running with you, and he was leading laps there for a while, and then he got uh, a blown engine, got caught up in something. All right, uh, David, what's our intramural standings? Well, Chris ended up, this is after Richmond, or not after Richmond, after Bristol. Chris ended up opening his gap back up a little. He still holds wow. the lead in the open standings. I'm 26 points behind him, and Mason is 39 points behind him. And then down in the NIS, there's there are basically three of you really that are consistently running every race. Now, you know, there will be drop weeks to catch a few people up as they get back involved. But right now, we did have a lead change in the fixed standings. And this is pre-Richmond, so Brent's most recent win will probably kick him back to the lead. But right now, Bill is currently in the lead with right, one Bill. win. Uh, Brent is sitting at uh, seven points behind, and as well as Mike. Yep. I'm coming for you, Mike. Do it. You're what, 64 back? All right. All right, very good. Let's talk league and hosted. Uh, Chris, you ran ARCA uh, with Tony and got a P25. Yeah, I mean, that race was a ton of fun. Um, ran the, the old Bastards race at uh, at Indy with um, Tony, and Justin Laird was in that race as well. I think he got a pretty good finish. Um, we ran almost that entire lap was... Um, was was green we had a bunch of guys on um run, that were probably going to run out of fuel at the end of the race I, I was one of them um i i was passing guys but they were saving more fuel than me but i also pitted with one to go so it was it was man it's just a it's a lot of fun running with those guys and it's the perfect balance uh to even out the nis like tony was saying all right tony a good run for you after a bad nis huh uh well, yeah, it's a heck of a lot better than what I have been doing. Um, I, you know, I kind of crapped the bed at the end there as, uh, you know, coming out of the corner, clipped the wall just a tiny bit, but man, it sent me like right into the wall, blew my car up. And, uh, and, uh, I think what happened though, I was running around just kind of minding my own business, just throwing laps down and, uh, my motor blew and brought out a caution late in the race just to, to screw everything up for, you know, everybody else. But you know what? In the end, I still had a smile on my face. I, I, I had a lot of fun that race. All right. Uh, that's OBRL. And then OSRA, uh, Stiver, you missed the race because you were out, uh, out and about. Uh, but Paul Smith got the championship win after a last lap wreck. Yeah, I was watching the race, though, and it was, uh, it was an exciting one. So um, he's on my team. Uh, in that league, so he got the championship. Good for him. All right. And then, uh, David, you and Mark Antonici ran Suzuka six hours, got a top five. Yep. Uh, we got caught up in an accident early. Uh, a car in front of us 
a prototype. We were com- we were working our way through the GT3 traffic, or the, no, the GTE traffic the first time. And there was an accident in front of us. The car in front of us slammed on its brakes. And those prototypes, if you lock the brakes up with the wheel turned a little bit, they 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 are they just behave weird. And he just instantly turned sideways in front of me. No time to react. Best busted up the front wing, but it was only about a 50 second repair. And then the car was just as fast as it was before. We just had to basically replace the wing. Um, we traded off. And came up with a top five in, in second split again. And pretty excited about it. We're currently sitting. You get scored. You get individual points, even though you run as a team. And we're both actually in Division Four and tied for second place right now in in that uh, series. All right. All right, let's get into final thoughts. Chris Scales, you're up first. Um, uh, really cool to have Ray on the, the podcast. I think that was he was one of the, the first guests that um, – and to probably nerd out a little bit, I uh, really appreciate the VRS videos he puts out every week. It helps me uh, remind me of how to get around some of the tracks because I have such a terrible memory. I can't remember how to drive them from the last time we were there, if I ever knew. <laughs> yeah, happy to have Ray on. Uh, he is the champ four times, and uh, hopefully he's going for the fifth. All right, uh, David Hall, final thoughts. Uh, I really enjoyed the VRS as well. I don't rely on the oval other than the setup source but learning road courses you know i'm still trying to climb the ranks through there and just get better and every time every time we come to especially a new track that i don't know i watch those tutorials because learning learning the road courses and knowing which corners are are late apex corners or high speed corners it's all very very helpful all right very good greg hectus final thought uh (laughs) i don't really have much to talk about this week i'm I got to get back into racing these cars. I'm I'm not having any luck and a little bit down on my luck, I guess, with it. And uh, just trying to get back at her. I'll uh, hopefully the off week will be a good week to do some testing here because uh, before we go to tally. So there, there is Watkins Glen for the prototype this week. Yeah, well, next week is Easter weekend, so they don't race on Easter weekend. So then they go to tally the following week. Oh, so we don't have NIS next week is what you're telling me. Yeah. Because the A Open, I think if I remember talking to somebody today, it was at Richmond. Okay. Sorry, not Richmond, uh, Rockingham. Yeah, almost every forward. off week, it's almost always Rockingham when, when they during the off weeks. Yeah, looking forward to tally for sure. All right, uh, Mason Stiver, final thought. Yeah, um, I miss Bristol, which I'm not mad about at all. Um, but Richmond's been a little confusing setup-wise. Um I've been doing okay, but not as as well as uh, the other weeks. So we'll get to work on that. I'm gonna join the uh, Sim Labs rig here and uh, just customizing, you know, position, seat position, foot pedal position, and uh, just getting everything set up like I want it. All right, enjoy the new rig, and good job on the setups. By the way, I ran your latest version uh, in this last open earlier today, and it was much better than the set last night. But uh, you, you've really been stepping up on the sets, and uh, good job. All right, uh, Tony Groves, final thought. I'm kind of in the same boat as Greg there. I don't have a whole lot going on. I'm just, uh, my uh, my real life is uh, beginning to, to settle down a little bit, so hopefully that will uh, give me a little bit more time and um, and want, actually, to uh, to get back on and, and get some NIS under my belt. Yeah, get back on that horse, boy. It's one of those things. It comes and goes. Tony Rochette, final thought. 
Oh, I just want to thank all the peak drivers that have uh, coming in and doing interviews on the pad- podcast for the last few weeks. Um, they've been really great, uh, really informative and stuff like that. Is a kind of peek behind the curtain there, uh, per se. And uh, NIS, uh, can't wait for tomorrow night, and hopefully I won't get wrecked. Yeah, we're going to try to get all the peak drivers on. I want to get every single one of them at some point. And so we're not going to do it every week. We do have a different kind of guest coming next week that's already lined up, but we'll keep that a surprise. But, uh, yeah, if you're a peak driver and you haven't been on, uh, you will be hearing from us, and we want to have you. So uh, hang in there, and we'll get you on the show. Uh, my final thought is uh, social media uh for the podcast, you know, we're trying real hard. We're kind of in a stale mode and I'm just giving it a shot, but I want to point out the podcast is growing, man. We we're on Spotify. Now there's a bunch of people uh, listening to us there. Um, and we just hit the 15,000 mark. Now, what number is that? Well, 15,000 downloads over 90 day over a rolling 90 day period. So as the last 90 days rolls from one day to the other, we do a consistent 15,000 of, of downloads. And so what does that translate to? About twelve to 1,300 regular listeners. Now, that can fluctuate because you get one-time listeners and you get people that come and go. But that's a, a good average number, twelve to 1,300. We want that number to grow, guys. And so I'm asking all the listeners out there, help me promote this on social media. When you see my link to the new show, Put it on your social media. Put it on your Facebook pages that I'm not posting to and try to spread the word. Talk about it in your races. Tell people, hey, check out iracerslounge.com. And that's all you have to say. And somebody will pick up on it. And I do appreciate that. Just real quick, Mike, um, I want to let you know, Jesse, uh, speaking of that, he gave us a great shout out during that race. And so I just want to mention him again. People like Jesse who just say, hey, Everybody in the room, check out iRacers Lounge, man. You guys will get all your uh, iRacing news and whatnot. And that's all we need. And so if we get a few listeners to do that, we can really grow this to the next level. So with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Facebook and Twitter. See you on the track.